Dawn. I'm Luke, he, him, sometimes they, them, and I'm joined by my lovely, wonderful, and glasses-wearing co-host, Janine. Hello, my name is Janine, my pronouns are she, they, and, um, damn, what rhymes with they? You wear glasses all day. I... I don't though. I, I'm I'm actually uh, I'm trying out contacts. You don't eat hay. I do though. Not exclusively. Uh, like I have a mixture of other things in my yeah. diet. You fought Tay Zande. Chocolate rain. Uh, I don't. I only pick fights I know I can win. Um, you're not like Garfield. You don't hate Monday. I don't think I could do that one. Janine, I have a question for you. Sure. Is Garfield neutered? And if so, who neutered Garfield? (laughs) Who took Garfield's balls? Yes. Because do you know Garfield's origin? Because I had to refresh myself up on that because uh, I went to go and pick up dinner and I just started wondering about that. Is Garfield neutered? And then if so, who neutered him? And the question became, well, I don't know, or I don't remember Garfield's origins. I remember the like nine lives of Garfield, Uh, specifically the collected book edition. I have not actually seen the TV special, but. Uh, Garfield was found at the Italian restaurant Mama Leone's, but it's so different than the one in the Billy Joel song, Anthony song, uh, brackets moving out. And then, uh, because he was literally running that store out of business, she brought him to a pet store, and that is where John got Garfield. So... Does Garfield still have his cat balls? And if so, well, if so, that that kind of ends the question. But if not, at what point did he lose those? Because Garfield is also a horny cat. But I will also add in the context that the reason why you want to spay and neuter cats as kittens is because if you wait too long, they will know what it is like to have been horny at some point. And that will cause issues because they will act as though they are horny because it is something their brain is driving them to, even if they have no sexual output, which happened to one of our cats because much like Hitler, our cat had a undescended testicle that the first time that we got him neutered, uh, the vets did not find. And so he learned to scent spray things and learn to be horny and that caused no small amount of trouble and he continues to be a horny bastard even though he has had a second testicle removed so i reiterate the question it's garfield neutered and if so who neutered him oh my god (laughs) 
<laughs> Welcome back to Dumbass Dawn, the podcast where we look at The Simpsons and One Piece and then compare them. Uh, it's episode 41, Janine. expecting a secret second testicle in that story but mm-hmm. you know what there's always one ready to drop i mean there's not always one uh but yes we are going to be discussing episodes of the simpsons in one piece on this very full episode uh these episodes initially ran between november 6th of the year 2005 through January 29th of the year 2006. I would have been entering into my sophomore year. The Simpsons episodes include Treehouse of Horror 16, uh, which includes artificial intelligence, where it's sort of a play on AI. Uh, Bart ends up in a coma so his parents get David an android replacement and then when Bart gets out of the coma David is more popular so Homer abandons Bart Bart finds a bunch of other abandoned robots and uses their parts to construct a cyborg body and kills David and then Homer but it's all a dream of a possessed Homer It's it's a weird ending to the episode it is but I don't uh, like, I can't be mad at it because the whole Treehouse of Horror thing, like, things are going to end up weird anyway, you know? I feel like it would also be too dark of an ending if it ended with Bart actually killing Homer. But it wouldn't be the first time that he had in a Treehouse of Horror, is it? I think it might, but I don't want to be quoted on that. I don't want to have to correct myself. Uh, I'm going to research that later now. And correct me? (laughs) I don't know if I'll correct you because you hadn't really went one way or the other about it. But Yeah, I'm being indecisive. Mm Mm-hmm. I think there might be something there to look at to find out, you know. Uh. Hmm. 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 I don't think at this point we have had that. Skinner got more kills than Bart. That's a prediction I'm making. Even though the only one that I know that Skinner had killed was when he was, like, eating children. But I think that he ate enough children that he racked up, like, a big enough body count that Bart was more a victim more often than the villain in A Treehouse of Horror. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So, if I remember, the real gyms had an episode kind of counting who dies the most. And the kids do die sometimes, but they die far fewer times than Homer does. But, speaking of killing Homer, the second segment was Survival of the Fattest, where Mr. Burns decides to hunt various people in the town, including Homer, and then Marge saves Homer at the end. And it's not a great segment. It like could the, have been like it could have been better, I feel, if like if they had it like ev- everybody was fair game, but it really seemed to like push this idea of like trying to watch Homer go to the end. If he if he died off early and it was like a freaking Battle Royale style thing, yeah, battle royale type thing. Mm-hmm. I think that there that there could be enough hilarity and you could be able to get a lot of different kills i i think this isn't quite the full-on zombie period for the treehouse of horrors but there is a point where it's just kind of like they aren't necessarily going as far as they could the third segment is i've grown a costume on your face where a witch wins the halloween costume contest but when it turns out that she wasn't wearing a contest and loses her prize she turns everyone into their costume and after a bunch of scenes, they realize that Maggie is a witch, and they are divided about whether or not they want to be turned back, so Maggie turns everyone into pacifier people. Now, this it's one a- is the spirit of the one of the thing that I'm, like, that I want. There's, like... It's a Dracula Halloween town, Hib- too. Yeah, Dracula Hibbert. Mm-hmm. Like, Dr. Hibbert sense the island of Dr. Hibbert. I don't think he's really had like that much of a killing spree. No. But I, f- I feel like it's a believable thing now in Treehouse of Horrors to see Hibbert do a murder. Mm-hmm. Equality. He can do a murder as a treat. I mean, we also get Gorilla Grandpa and... Carl as a mummy. Gil becomes a ghost. There's a lot of stuff that will be paying off for us as One Piece starts to get weirder. I was afraid of that. That One Piece is going to get weirder? That you would be able to look through some of these weird costume mashups and mm-hmm. say oh that'll be good for a character coming out yeah i i'm not playing around here this is not summer camp the latch brothers are through playing games with you well that's a treat for anyone who's played jets at radio future or i guess is into obscure beastie boys side projects Uh, after that, uh, well, any other comments on I've Grown a Costume on Your Face, the Halloween Town 2 Calabax Revenge of segments? Um, it was nice to see Dennis Rodman again. Mm Mm-hmm. It's always nice when Dennis stops by. The next episode is Marge's Sun Poisoning, where Bart realizes that his mom is lonely, so he hangs out with Marge. 
uh, as she gets a tandem bike and they start hanging out more and more, especially at a tea shop that they enjoy. The tea shop shuts down, so they turn the treehouse into a uh, hangout spot. Homer, meanwhile, starts working out specifically with one arm that gets very strong, so Mo uses him to hustle people in arm wrestling, and he ends up at an arm wrestling competition. When Bart then gets called a mama's boy, he feels embarrassed and abandons Marge, who feels bad. Marge then kind of realizes that, oh, it's not great if her son is that uh, connected to her because she doesn't want him to end up like Skinner and Agnes. And they reconnect over that. And then Homer kind of just gets to come back with one big arm and not really a super clear ending to his arc. But I think it's a good one. Like, I enjoy seeing this dynamic of Bart and Marge. I do too. I feel like that Bart definitely he gets to be a boy. Mm -hmm. Other times, like he's a prankster or like just a jerk and that's fine but like just having like the innocence of like a boy with his mom is just like i don't know like i think that that they did have a good story there and they they pulled it off really well without having too weird of a b plot um Princess Cake. Princess Cake. I would. That's definitely a good name, though. Mm hmm. Uh, when Abby and I went on vacation to Pittsburgh, we stayed at a lovely bed and breakfast and had a high tea, and it was delightful. I had three types of tea. Wow, you just really partied all out, didn't you? Uh-huh. Well, and then I found the type of tea that I liked the most and then had that for breakfast for the rest of the time that we stayed there. Well, I just smoke my tea. That's weed, Janine. <laughs> it sure is. I smoke suckers like you on the ball court. <laughs> We then have See Homer Run, where Homer doesn't like Lisa's heartfelt gift, which rightfully upsets her, and his attempts to make up for it don't work. She acts out at school as a result, and Homer is warned that he needs to be a positive role model, so he becomes safety salamander and ends up causing more accidents and damage. Bart, meanwhile, stole a street sign with his name on it, which leads to a massive car accident, so Homer works to save the victims. This leads to a recall election for Quimby with hundreds of candidates running, so Homer runs for mayor as Safety Salamander, but because he doesn't get out of the suit, it rips during the press conference and he loses the election, but Lisa respects him again. It's good. Also, they kind of went back to the Homer doing school safety detail at the beginning of this most recent Simpsons season. Oh. But they use that to criticize the militarization of the police force. 
Yeah. And this was just a Homer and Lisa story, something we've kind of seen before with a few good bits in it. And it's, I feel like, maybe a bit more understandable to completely misunderstand why Lisa got him the gift. And, like, what he is supposed to do with it. Because I feel like making bad gifts for your parents is part of childhood. It is. I've done it a number of times. I think my dad still has a few things. My parents have just started shipping me ornaments that I made back in elementary school. And it's like, yeah, we don't need these on our tree. You can put them on your tree. And it's like, yes. Don't want to hold on to the early stuff. (laughs) We then have the last of the Red Hat Mamas, where Lisa wants to go to Rome for the summer and lies about knowing Italian. Milhouse finds out and offers to tutor because he wants to romance her, but Milhouse is philandering, so Lisa gets disgusted with him. Marge, meanwhile, wants friends, joins the cheery Red Tomatoes, thinking that they are a fun group, but it turns out that they're also actually planning a Fabergé egg heist on Mr. Burns. Homer finds out and tries to stop them by alerting the cops, and when Burns catches them, he lets them all out because they're women and he doesn't want to make them feel bad, and then Marge reveals that she stole an egg but still gets kicked out of the group. Which... American Dad did a sort of similar thing about women's groups. I feel like this had to have been something that was tied into, like, oh, shoot, what was that? What was the show where it was, like, the cul-de-sac and the women? Desperate Housewives. I feel like it's a Desperate Housewives sort of thing, because American Dad had a similar arc that I remember coming out around the same time, or a similar episode. Except there was a fight club. And then they'd murder people. They had a episode like this on Chowder. That's one of those uh, cartoons that I kind of missed out on just because of when I went to college and how I changed my TV viewing schedule. Anyways, there, there are some solid jokes. It's it's kind of worth the watch. Yeah. Uh, and let us know if your moms were in organized crime groups like this and what type of crimes they were doing. And uh, as long as it happened over 10 years ago, we don't need to report anything to the FBI. Statues of limitations, Janine. We've memorized them for Every major felony. Mm-hmm. From felon A to felon Z. <laughs> that wasn't as funny, but it's just... A very dumb thing. Thank you. The delivery, you was just so confident. <laughs> well, I was debating going from felon A to felon E, and we just have to memorize a lot more things, but I swapped it out. Uh, we then have the Italian Bob, where Homer and the family are sent to pick up Mr. Burns' sports car in Italy, and they start touring, but the car ends up getting destroyed. 
the mayor of the nearby town where they end up is Sideshow Bob, who has a new life and a wife and a son and begs him to keep it quiet. And they offer to do it if he fixes the car. Uh, then while they're celebrating, Lisa gets drunk and reveals the truth about Sideshow Bob and everyone is kicked out of the town. And Bob's family joins him in swearing revenge on the Simpsons and the families then run into each other at the opera, but Krusty saves him. That way they can help him smuggle goods out of Italy. It's a tour episode. It's a Sideshow Bob episode. It's a Side Bob tour murder. Back to back, Lisa saying things in Italian. Mm-hmm. Not connected, though. It would have been nice if we had had some continuity Lysiamo. But if you do that for one episode, you'll start after doing it for, yeah, basically whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would have been kind of funny if Millhouse's Nana showed up. As a callback. But yeah, it is kind of weird that those two were connected, but I kind of wonder if maybe that was something where it's like, oh, well, yeah, we can put these two together. People won't remember. Nobody dissects every Simpsons script. Speaking of dissecting Simpsons scripts, we next have Simpsons Christmas Stories, which is, I believe, the start of, well, no. Because we had had other anthologies, but this, I think, is when they start doing an anthology. No, because we've also had that for a few seasons now. Yeah, this is them doing a Christmas anthology episode, but the first Christmas anthology episode. So we get the first Dowell where Homer tells the nativity story, but with Simpsons gags, and then Joseph of Arimathea accidentally invents the Christmas tree, which, you know, it's fine. Uh... Here's a question for you, Janine. Are you ready? It's going to be a wild one. All right. Do you think that Jesus should have stayed dead after being crucified, or does him coming back from the dead kind of ruin the whole sacrifice thing? I mean, unless coming back was a flex. I mean, it is kind of a flex. It's literally, oh, yeah, Jesus can come back from the dead because he has triumphed over death and he has escaped hell. Yeah. Like, that's part of the thing. It, it It's just something that came up because uh, on Blue Sky there was the, hey, how well do you know world religions thing with 10 questions and Abby got a question about that wrong and it's like oh that's that's a heresy but that's fine <laughs> i forgot who isaac's father was so i also got nine out of ten uh we then have i saw grandpa cussing santa claus where in world war ii mr burns leads to uh grandpa's brother cyrus getting shot down and Burns and Grandpa crash land on an island. Burns shoots down Santa's sleigh, so they help to rebuild it, but then Burns steals it, so uh, Grandpa has to go and catch him. 
and Santa had promised to save him but never returned. And then in the present, he finally does return to reunite Grandpa with his brother. Also, we get sexy female Mr. Burns hallucination. It's really good. But also, do I want to feel good about it? You can feel how you want. On the island, nobody needs to know. Mm-hmm. On the island, you let the passions take you, and then Santa take you. Yeah, uh, this is where they also start kind of doing some more retcons of where exactly did Grandpa serve? Because if he's on the Pacific front, but in the past we've seen him with flying hellfish in Germany and in Europe, uh, what's up with that? This also is not the first time that we've had a story that had a background. Like, Burns was in that, like, with with Grandpa in that, in the Flying Hellfish, too. So it's like, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, they stick together afterwards. Also, how much of this was Grandpa having hallucinations because he's old? Do you think Grandpa and Burns explored each other's bodies? The Fox Corporation, which is owned by the Disney Corporation, will not allow me to answer that. But if you go to deviantart.com <laughs> forward slash, and then I'm just going to censor it out for quite a bit, you'll get your answer. Uh, and then we have the Nutcracker Suite, where the town just does a bunch of scenes set to songs from the Nutcracker, and it doesn't really amount to much. How do you feel about the Nutcracker? An integral part of Christmas canon, or it's an also-ran that has outlived its time? I feel like there are worse things that are kept alive by the tradition of Christmas. Like what? A Christmas story. Oh, yeah, no, that's, that's overrated. That's boomer fucking shit. Yeah. But it's still alive because it's just a Christmas tradition. I've been able to avoid watching it again for over a decade. And you you heard about the sequel that they did, right? Uh... The sequel that they didn't even film in the United States. They filmed it in uh, like a Baltic region and... Like, the city of Cleveland, which has preserved the house from it and does tours, was like, hey, what the fuck are you doing, you dipshits? We want you to come back here. We would have given you a bunch of money. We're fighting to keep it alive. Yeah, Christmas Story can die. Wow. Mm -hmm. You're learning all sorts of things. I am. Anyway, Nutcracker, sweet. Um, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I I do like the clever ways they could be able to just come up with one-off jokes by just inserting like another character from somewhere, so that somebody only has like a voice line for like part of a song, and like it still comes together. Mm-hmm. And as much as I hate the idea of like. Homer trying to find a gift, not finding it. 
mm-hmm. inside the, the episode altogether. It just... The very end, seeing the, the picture of both of them together, it was just like, damn, that is kind of sweet. And because mm-hmm. it's Christmas, I'm going to give it a pass. Fair enough. So I I call it a good episode. Even though Merry there's Christmas. no even though there's no sexy female burns. We then have Homer's paternity coot where a bunch of old mail is delivered including a love letter for Mona and Homer wonders if the other man is his father. That other man is Mason Fairbanks who is an explorer and Homer tries to connect with him. Grandpa, meanwhile, is jealous, so they take a paternity test, and it turns out that Homer, and it turns out that Mason is the father. So Mason, so Mason and Homer look for lost treasure. Homer gets stuck and has a vision of Abe raising him as a decent father. And Homer apologizes to Abe for raising him, and then Abe reveals that he swapped the DNA test samples, and there's no real B-plot for this one. Also, it's weird that... Uh, the love letter got delivered to the Simpsons household. Yeah. Like we can ignore that because grandpa has never lived there or owned the house. And they would have had to have like followed up like two different uh, locations, especially since Mona is presumed dead at this time. Like chances are it would have ended up at with grandpa at the old folks home at the retirement castle at the senior living center or as I like to call it the senior dying center yeah it's it's kind of exactly what you expect from this sort of episode they aren't going to give Homer another father It was fun to dream, though. Do you want them to give Homer another father? Why not? The more the merrier. And, like, by the end of it, Homer still accepting his own father as his father for being the father that was there would was enough for me. I was like, okay, that's that's good. And then Abe's just like, I switched it. To fuck with you, I guess. And I'm like, oh, Abe would. He fucking would. Like, even if he didn't have, like, some kind of ulterior motive, he would just, like, just somehow end up doing something so stupid like that. He had seen the episode of Archer where they swapped the paternity test, and he's like, I can do that, too. And then the last one we have is We're on the Road to Doe, where... Uh, Bart explodes the steam vent, so Skinner orders him to go to a discipline camp, but he can't fly alone out there, so Homer decides to drive him. Along the way, they have issues, and Homer feels bad about leaving Bart, and ultimately takes him to Las Vegas. Marge and Lisa have a failed yard sale until she starts selling Homer's old pain pills. Marge ends up getting arrested for selling drugs, and in the end, everyone except for Lisa and Maggie have ended up in jail. It's a it's a fun one. Also, we get sexy female Bart. 
Yeah, a Bart <laughs> hallucination of a cocktail waitress that looks fine as fuck. And she waggles her ass and says, you want to eat my shorts? And I am so fucking mad. I'm so fucking mad, dog. Because you don't could eat those shorts? Because, yeah. Um, um, so fucking mad, bro. <laughs> Stupid, sexy Bart. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Uh, new characters who have been unlocked include Mutant Peacocks, Cheesy McMayer, David Legged Homer, Shrek, Eugene Levy, Krusty Pagliacci, Fun Homer, and Vegas Elephant, amongst many, 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 many others. We also get a new design for Smokin' Joe Frazier. It's it's amazing because he was like one of the suggestions last time and just like just oh just popping up again. It's just mm -hmm. so now if you want to suggest Smoke and Joe Frazier, you have to define whether it is classic Smoke and Joe Frazier or new Smoke and Joe Frazier. What if you had a TV show where Frazier moved out to Seattle? to start a career as a radio psychologist. But he isn't really a good psychologist, and he has poor people skills, and his father has to move in with him, and also his brother Niles shows up frequently, and there is a dog named Eddie that sucks. I call it Cheers. We also get William H. Macy. Mm-hmm. But I think it's kind of shitty because we haven't gotten William A through William G, Macy. They're in the mail. Okay. Well, hopefully they don't get delivered to my dead parents' house. Also, hopefully my parents don't die. <laughs> soon. Like, in a period where it's like, oh god, I've cursed them. But I feel like my mom being a pastor is kind of safe from that sort of thing. So... Love you, Mom. Also love you, Dad. The episodes of one... In love with you? Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't think I need to buy that. I'm not trying to smooch up on my parents, Janine. Oh, no, that's my job. <laughs> Janine. What? No. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry, I smoked some tea before. Yeah, you're supposed to steep your tea. Not what I did. Anyway, let's talk about One Piece, baby. Yeah, we are covering episodes 248 through 255 of One Piece. These include Frankie's Past, the day the sea train first ran. Spandam's Conspiracy, the day the sea train shook. The end of the legendary man, the day the sea train cried. 
the truth behind the betrayal, Robin's sorrowful decision. The steam whistle separates the crew. The sea train begins to run. Sanji breaks in. The sea train battle in a storm. The shout of Nambi's soul. Return a straw head, Luffy. Another sea train. Rocket Man sortie. Yeah, we get a bunch of stuff this episode, Janine. We get a big old chunk of One Piece. If you just want to, like, just leave out a chunk, like, that's fine, dog. I'm looking at this fucking... Um... Oh, yeah, like, I wrote two pages, but that's also in size 11 font. In Which its single space. Yeah, I mean, that's why I read these bits. So, CP9 shows up at the secret base where Usopp, Frankie, and the Square Sisters are looking for Frankie. That way they can get the blueprints to the mysterious Pluton. Rob Lucci easily knocks Frankie out with a single blow, and CP9 finds the blueprint room. Frankie then flashes back to when he was a child going by Cutty Flam, where he made battleships and worked with and worked around Iceberg at Tom's company along with Kokoro and Yokozuna. Tom had taken in Frankie when his parents had abandoned him. And weirdly, that's something that we still have not addressed, like, 15 years later in the series. Huh. Uh-huh. Water 7 was in a bad position since it was sinking and the shipbuilding companies were fighting each other to try and get business. Tom wanted to save the island and wanted the boys to take pride in whatever they did. In the anime, they said, do it with a Don! Which Don would you like to do it with, Janine? Uh... Don Knotts? I'd say Donald Duck. He seems like a tender lover. (laughs) (laughs) Tom was arrested for building Gold D. Rogers' ship and was set to be executed, but he asked the judge for time to build the sea train. That way he could save Water 7 by connecting it to the other nearby islands. The judge, in turn, gave him ten years to build that sea train. Iceberg and Tom worked on the sea train while Frankie continued to make battleships as more and more shipyards shut down until finally the Puffing Tom was completed. The release of the Puffing Tom was a success and the town expected Tom's sentence to be lifted. That was when Spondum showed up on the island. Frankie, meanwhile, had developed Battle Frankie 35, which was a battleship capable of knocking out and killing a sea king, which made Iceberg concerned about all of the battleships that Frankie was leaving around the island. Which I think is a valid concern. It's like if you make a bunch of Legos and you just leave them around. Someone's going to step on those eventually. Spondum showed up unaware of Tom's deal with the judge and demanded the Pluton blueprints, which Tom denied knowing anything about. Spondum then realized that if the judge forgave Tom, he could not blackmail him, so Spondum made up a new plan. Concerned for the future, Tom shared the Pluton blueprints with Iceberg and Frankie, and Iceberg took them because he was worried that Frankie would actually build the fucking ship. The next morning, during 
Tom's trial, the judge planned to free Tom, but Spondum used government agents to pilot the Battle Frankies to attack the judge's ship before returning to Scrapkeep Island. When Tom and Iceberg went to investigate the abandoned ships, more of them appeared and attacked the pair. Frankie arrived too late to stop the attack, and Iceberg blamed Frankie for being irresponsible. But Tom asked Iceberg to forgive Frankie, but Frankie still felt guilty since his weapons had hurt his mentor and his friend. Spondum then arrived to arrest all of them, claiming that he had stopped the attack with help from CP5. The judge forgave Tom for the crime of building Roger's ship, but when Frankie claimed that Spondum orchestrated the attack, nobody believed him. Because when does the government fake crimes? What's the deal? Frankie denied ownership of the ships that he had built, which pissed off Tom, who believed that a ship is neither good nor evil and that the creator must love their ship no matter what. Tom knew that he couldn't get out of the situation, so he smashed Spondum in the face as revenge for hurting Frankie, which led to the Navy shooting Tom with tranquilizers. Tom asked the judge to be pardoned for the new charges, being aware that he would still be executed for building Goldie Rogers' ship, but he took pride in building that ship, and Tom had also made his dreams of building the sea train come true. As he fainted... Due to the tranquilizers, he told the boys to take care of the blueprints. Frankie and Iceberg were pardoned for the attack, and Tom was being taken away, but they stopped when Frankie smashed Spondum in the face again because he didn't want Tom taken away, and then he ran off. While the sea train was taking Tom away, Frankie stood on the tracks and tried to destroy it, with no effect, and the train smashed into him, fucking destroying his body right in front of Yokozuna. Frankie then realized his dream of building a ship that would go to the ends of the world. And that's why I told you that Yokozuna was going to be a fucking sad frog, because that's why he's trying to stop the sea train, Janine. It stole his friend. Whoa. Uh-huh. That's still, like, his other friend's job, though, right? Not really. Iceberg builds ships. He doesn't run the train like Kokoro, Kokoro helps him runs, conduct it. Yeah. But... yeah, but you can still hate the fucking train. Hate the train, not the player. I guess. Back in the present, CP9 starts to leave with Frankie when they recognize Usopp is there, and Kaku decides to release the Going Mary into the ocean to fucking destroy the Mary once and for all. R.I.P. Going Merry. Are you glad, Janine, it's finally dead? Fucking dick move of the guy. I mean, you don't want him to go on the ship without it's going to kill him. Back at the burning Yalala headquarters, Chopper saved Iceberg, Polly, and Tyrannosaurus from the burning building, bringing them out onto the lawn where Nobby was unconscious at the time. Iceberg got up, to talk to Nami privately when she was also up while the Gallic Law Company worked to put out the fire. Iceberg explained that he and Robin talked because both of them had the ability to resurrect ancient weapons. Robin didn't care about the weapon at all, but refused to acknowledge that someone could still make it with her knowledge. And Iceberg mentioned the destruction of Ohara that happened because they also had forbidden knowledge. 
Robin then revealed to Iceberg that CP9 promised that they would use a Buster Call, which is a massive destructive force, on the Straw Hats if she didn't work with them. And because she didn't want her friends to get hurt, she made a deal with CP9 that would let them go and leave Water 7 freely. And she was willing to sacrifice everything, including the world, to let her friends go safe. Nami felt relieved that Robin still cares about them and felt re-motivated to go and try and save her friend. Are the pieces coming together now, Janine? I think so. What do you think a Buster Call is? I think it is a... Barrage of cannon attacks so large that the animation budget is going to have to like get a lot heftier than it is now. Interesting. At the station, Robin and CP9 boarded the Puffing Tom with the captured Frankie and Usopp as Sanji watched from the shadows. Iceberg figured out that CP9 will be taking the train to Innie's lobby, so Nami sends Chopper to go and find Luffy and Zoro. Polly gets back up and asks the Galay Law Company to help Nami with her search, revealing that the real unnamed criminals and not the Straw Hats were the one that attacked Iceberg, withholding the truth about the CP9 agents, saying that they just went home. Polly, you don't gotta do that for those guys. You don't. The Straw Hats attempted to reunite everyone before the sea train was set to leave, but it ended up leaving early due to the threat of the Aqua Laguna. Luffy, meanwhile, got his ass stuck between two fucking buildings, while Zoro got stuck upside down in a chimney. These guys, they'll find a way. Life, uh, it, it, it finds a way. Nami ran to the station too late to say anything to Robin before it left while Saji had secretly snuck on board. Polly followed Nami to the station to try and comfort her, but Nami decided that she still wanted to track the train down as the waves from the storm began to pick up. Nami then found a note from Saji saying that he got on the train, and that is where Usopp and Frankie were, and that he left her a transponder snail to stay in contact. I do love Saji's just over-the-top note that he leaves where it's literally like hey this is for Nami this is an important note anyone else don't fucking read my note he's so himself that Nami says that the first half of the letter is a love letter Mm -hmm. the first half of the letter is him being horny for Nami and then he gets down to business it, it's nice. It's like when you go and look up a recipe online and you just know that you can skip all the stuff. Where it's like, my nana used to beat me in Italy when I didn't speak Italian, and that's how I learned to make frankenbeans. Authentic Italian meal, frankenbeans. We're Franco-Americans. Saji ended up... What? <laughs> no, nothing. It just, just goes to go. Janine, it's always worth it. 
ask your question about Franco. Doesn't that mean France and we're talking about Italy? No. Okay, that's that's it. Just no. Sanji ended up uh, Sanji ended up getting on the caboose of the train with the government agents, uh, including Jerry, who was very tall. Jerry started attacking, knocking out his own men at first, but Sanji then fought a long line of strong fighters, including Jerry, and took them down. Jerry's tall, Janine. Oh yeah, he's. Uh, do you, do you, Janine, uh, let me, let me ask you, do you think, uh, the carpet matched the drapes? Oh my god. I have thought about that for so many characters. Oh, I mean, Oda frequently just gets questions where it's like, hey, uh, this guy is made out of magma. Has he got a magma dick? And it was just like, yes! Obviously, that's why I made him magma, so that he would have a magma dick. Why are any of us in this business if, if you're going to be asking me some, some, some... And then he'll answer... Luffy's dicks, Luffy's dick, it's, it, it do the gum gum. It does mm-hmm. that, it does a thing. And then he'll get a question where it's like, hey, why do you draw the boobs so big? And he's like, oh, because I like big boobs. I'll make them bigger in the future. I mean... Yeah, I guess. He does. He does. gonna be hard i'm 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 more about ass myself but those get bigger too i hope so because i look at some of these guys and i'm like zoro's like really good with his arms but his ass is flat as a pancake Mm mm-hmm Back in Water 7, the search continues with the conductors of the town working to get food per Nami's orders. The rain begins to fall as Aqua Laguna as Aqua Laguna comes closer with the storm, looking to be exceptionally strong and destructive. Chimney, meanwhile, outwardly got stuck, so Nami charged in across the rooftops to save him, while Chopper found Zoro stuck upside down, ass up in a fucking chimney. As the massive wave of Aqua Laguna appears on the horizon, Nami explained to Luffy about what happened to Robin. Zoro, meanwhile, had Chopper hand him the cursed sword that he had found. As the wave moved in, larger than it had ever been before, Luffy exploded out, destroying the buildings that he was stuck between. Before getting back to the landing with Nami, while Zoro used the one sword style to cut through the fucking building where he was stuck before Chopper brought him to safety, but then the wave was also going to get them there, so Polly pulled them up with rope. Because Polly does rope. That's what he does. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody's got that 
is right where they gotta be. Galela shipbuilders, Galela shipbuilders. Polly does the rope now. Reunite villains. Polly's not a seek. Well, no, you will disagree with Polly on certain things. Reunited, Nami catches everyone up and Luffy sets out to rescue all of his friends, no matter the danger, even though they don't have a boat. Polly suggests that they could wait for the morning when the storm would have passed, but Nami knows that would be too late, because once a criminal goes past the gates of justice at Innie's lobby, there is no escape. Meanwhile, Sanji moves further through the Puffing Tom, taking down the second train car. He then moved into the communications cart where Frankie and Usopp were tied up, and where the other transponder snails were. Usopp told Sanji about how the Mary was destroyed by CP9 at this point, and Sanji refuses to recognize Usopp. Granny Karkaro, meanwhile, brought the Straw Hats to the secret sea train Rocket Man, where Iceberg has been working to fix it up, and it is more dangerous than the Puffing Tom. The food that Nami had ordered is delivered, that way Luffy can eat and Zoro can drink, and the Frankie family showed up, that way they could save their big bro Frankie, which Luffy was fine with. And they made a promise to follow the sea train on their king bowls. As the Rocket Man departs Water 7, Polly also snuck on board for no real reason he could have just gotten on the ship all by himself, and the crew is ready to save Robin before she reaches Innie's lobby. How was that, Janine? I don't think that was that long. That was pretty compact. We did go off the rails a couple of times, but that's also my favorite part. And did you like when I used my narrator voice? I do. Janine liked when Luke used the narrator voice. It's very narrational. That's probably a word. Well, you know what another word we have is? What's that? Matches, because we have seven of them to do this week. Which just makes me think about the episode where we might have 45 characters to do in a single engineer, and that's going to be murder. Uh uh, up first, we have Tom. Tom is a fish man. And uh, I've been rereading One Piece. I started after the time jump, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's where they finally explain that, uh, no, fishman DNA and mermaid DNA and all that stuff is just fucking weird. Because, Yeah. Tom has a brother who's very unimportant, but is a totally different type of fish man and does not look like him at all. Uh. I have three suggestions for Tom. My Rodrigo style. Are you ready for this, Janine? Sure. Shrek! (laughs) And then from a, he is a good inspirational figure, but not necessarily the asked at thinking through actions I had Brad Goodman from the Do What You Feel Festival and then uh, just I wanted a third one his no pool uh, Amish man Janine who do you have for Tom 
I have Rodrigo style Mason Fairbanks. Mm-hmm. You know, good dad role model figure. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, going out on ships and stuff. Mm-hmm. Very proud of his work. I saw it, something in there. And mm-hmm. also another one is very much just about vibe. Mm-hmm. And tell me what you think about this when I say Shrek. Tito Puente. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, I, I, I'm checking on my records here, and you know what my records say? What do they say? Ooh. <laughs> All right. And, uh, well, what's, what's, what's this I'm saying? We got some suggestions in from the listeners. King Atticus suggested either Daddy Claus the mascot of Father's Day, or Luigi Risotto. Asimov Fangirl suggested either Horst or Ozzy Smith. And those were the ones that we got for that one. I really like Brad Goodman, but I can also... Uh, ooh, I need to go and see Simpsons Cheeto Quinte. Do you know a fan of song by Tito Puente? I don't. Oh, yeah, come over. Da, 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 da. Oh, yeah, come oh, yeah. over. Yeah. Yeah, let's go Tito Puente. You want to go Tito Puente? Yeah. On that Sol Halsa floor with the raging latin rhythm we then have jorg who is the judge who do you have for jorg we pronounce it jorge sometimes jorg jorg uh jorge. I, got, I have donut judge from the planet of the donuts i do believe so yes well, I have three suggestions. My Rodrigo style is uh, King Herod Burns. And then I also had Judge Muntz and Judge Thatcher, which was Homer from the uh, Huckleberry or Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer story. Mm. Hmm. I feel like H- Herod Burns cuts a closer. Yeah, profile. visually, visually, I like Herod Burns. All right. And we, we need to save our food characters. Oh my god, I hate that you said that. There, there's an arc called Whole Cake Island, and there's just a bunch of food people. It's it's a nightmare. Oh my god. One I, Piece. One Piece. Uh we then have Spondum. AKA Sponda. AKA Mankind was his inspiration. Jean-Claude Spandam. <laughs> uh 
My Rodrigo style is a called shot. I'm very proud of it. I'll go through the others, and we have fan suggestions and yours. So do you want to give yours first? All right. My first one. Mm-hmm. Actually, I only just have one. Mm-hmm. Martin of the Opera. And that was one that the one welder guy also suggested as a pere, 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 pere. fan suggestion. Uh, King Atticus suggested Gina Gershon as the man in the iron mask. Ooh. From the Poke of Zorro. Uh, Asimov Fangirl suggested Nigel Tufnell, but we used uh, Nigel back in episode one. Mike Patton suggested Artie Ziff. Now really? the le- mm-hmm. the less well because Spondum is a shitty guy who has a lot of respect even though he doesn't deserve it. <laughs> the other suggestions that I had were the man in the iron mask, uh, Vietnam War prisoner Skinner because he also had a mask, but my Rodrigo style, my case because. We we kind of see he is prone to pratfalls. He is prone to uh, large bits of hubris. He believes that his government is the best in the world. He is a dedicated person with a weirdly strong chin and a kind of weird-shaped face. My suggestion, Jenny, are you ready for this? Sure. Are you on your tiptoes? I am on the ass of my seat. Stan Smith from American Dad. Huh. He is an agent that won't quit. And a very shitty person who plays by rules that ultimately benefit uh, the imperialist nature of his uh, country. Yeah. Or him and his own petty revenge. Uh Uh-huh. Oh my god, it it does fit perfectly. Thank you! Even though we don't get that good of a visual thing of it, it is like exactly like if Sam Smith was in One Piece, that's exactly what he'd be doing too. Thank you! Good morning, USA! I, I am glad I was able to sell that. That was one where it was like, oh, yeah, I, I forgot about this initially. So, thank you. Uh, we then have Bouchon and Stevie, who both work for the railway station, and we're going to get just weird bits for them. They love just gossiping. They love that hot goss. Uh, the suggestions that I have are... Uh, for Rodrigo style, there's the toll booth operator and that toll booth monster, which I don't think is a really good fit. I also had Shepard Lenny and Shepard Carl from the Nativity story, but then I also had uh, remember uh, Bart gets an uh, or no, it's uh, I believe Bart the genius. Uh,
Uh, yeah, Bart the genius. There's the math problem where Bart has to figure out how fast the train is going. On that, we have both a ticket inspector and a train engineer who weirdly has Martin's face. Uh, those are my suggestions for Bouchon and Stevie. All right, so. Tell me who you got. Mine is very much based on um, two different things, and there are two different things that I enjoy about them. Number one, they are two older gentlemen that are just acting adorable. Mm -hmm. So my suggestion on that is my Rodrigo style of William H. Macy and Eugene Levy. Because if those two guys were these guys who were blushing and like holding their faces next to each other, I'd fucking watch that dog. Like I would watch the two of them in a show where they run a train station. God damn, I would too. That's our new pitch. We're, we'll call up the Thomas the Tank Engine. There's going to be two conductors this time. And they sometimes kiss. Anyway, my next one mm -hmm. is about their commentary. Mm -hmm. So I chose two commentators that I feel like would look adorable pressing their faces against each other and blushing. And that is Terry Bradshaw, another Rodrigo style, and John Madden. And because I assume that is... I play at everything that they see. Yeah, yeah, no, I fucks with that. Hmm. I feel like I am safer using Terry Bradshaw and John Madden here. Because <laughs> we're going to get someone with wild-ass eyebrows. So if you're good with that... Then we could save Eugene Levy. And William H. Macy. Okay. Uh, we then have Jerry. And... Uh, my Rodrigo style is Wiggum Jared when Wiggum is turned into his costume, which is the poorly aged Jared from Subway, where it's kind of disturbingly thin. And then uh, I also had Ian, also known as Very Tall Man. Janine, who do you have? Kind of a weird thing. Like, had Jared been busted for child porn by the time that Chief Wiggum said sexually ambiguous? No. What a weird thing. Anyway, for Jerry, I have uh, the very tall man who could only afford the small car. Apparently Ian, his yes. name is Ian, yeah. Mm -hmm. He's also right around itchy and scratchy. Because he is based on a actual Simpsons writer. Oh. Uh-huh. And any other suggestions? None. Alright, then it looks like it is Ian. Very tall man, because we needed a man who was very tall, and we got that. And then last, we have Funkfried, and 
You know what funk freak is, Janine? You're going to fuck with me, aren't you? You're going to tell me that this is a cat, actually, that ate an no. elephant fruit. Janine, what part of that looks like a cat? I don't know what it looks like, Doc. You want to... I'll give you three... Uh, do you want to play 20 questions and try and see if you can figure out what it is? Oh my god, there's so many games inside of this episode. I yes. know. All okay. Right. Uh, so you have to answer, uh, ask me yes or no questions, and I have to reply truthfully. All right. Dear God, this has to be the first <laughs> one, and it's so fucking... Is it an animal? No. God damn it. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Okay, let's go. All right. Is it vegetable? No. Oh, my God. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't love 20 questions on Funk Freed? Uh, shit. Is it a construct of some kind? What does a construct mean? Not really a being, but an assembled item? Yes. Okay, I'm getting closer, but this is still fucking weird. Mm-hmm. Ah. Uh... Wow. Oh, God. I... I... I love but I hate this. I love mm -hmm. but I hate this. Um <sighs> I mean it's tough. We're literally addressing the elephant in the room. But uh -huh. I don't know what it could be there for that it would have to have a name. Because it would then, like, the, the, the thing is, is you have to think of its function. Janine, we've seen this before, though. Oh my god, this is gonna fucking drive me insane. Is this a, a different version of a transponder snail? No. An elephant is not a snail. At this point, dog, I I wouldn't doubt it if a snail <laughs> ate an elephant thing. I mean, I I I gave you a clue. I mean, you could ask. Like, has it eaten a devil fruit? That makes me scared. Uh -huh. That makes me scared because you could say no, and I'll just be like, sure. Mm -hmm. Okay, has it eaten a devil fruit? Varying degrees of eaten, but yes. 
amazing. Mm-hmm. This makes me believe that this is a gun that ate a fruit and became a dog situation. Is that a yes or a no question? Is this a an item that ate a fruit that became another thing situation? Yes. I hate this. Uh-huh. So I gotta find out what it was before what it became. Mm-hmm. Before it became an elephant. <laughs> <laughs> Well, is it a gun? No. Is it a weapon of any kind? Yes. Oh my god. Is... (sighs) Is it a hammer or a blunt instrument? Uh, I'm going to treat that as two, and that is no on both. That is 10 questions so far. All right. Okay. No, it's a weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, a cannon. No. Okay. Is it a bomb? No. I just keep on thinking of the same shape. It could be something... Uh, like a slashing weapon, like a sword? Yes. What? Okay. <laughs> Is it an axe? No. No. Is it a sword? Yes. Okay. Fifteen. So, uh, my Rodriguez-style pick was the uh, elephant that Lenny is on in Vegas. I like the idea that that includes the Vegas showgirls that are on the elephant. Uh, and then I also just had Stampy, because when you're talking about elephants, that's the elephant everyone's going to mention. But Frankfried is not going to be the most important elephant that we come across in One Piece. Who do you have? I have Pinky the Elephant, an elephant hallucination. I am not remembering that one. But let's see. That elephant does have a hat, and... And do you want to save this for an elephant that has a hat? Uh, no, if you want to use Pinky, I'm going to use Pinky. Or if you want to use Vegas Elephant, I'm going to use Vegas Elephant. I want to use Pinky. Wonderful. Then, we have those done... So our Tom is Tito Puente, our George or Jorge is Herod Burns, our Spondum is Stan Smith, our Bouchon is Terry Bradshaw, our Stevie is John Madden, 
Our Jerry is Very Tall Man, also known as Ian, and our Funk Breed is Pinky. And hey, we got through it with not too much more length than a normal episode. Aren't y'all lucky? Janine, where can people find you online? You can find me still on Twitter, dragging my feet on getting off at Janine Juliet. You could also find me on Blue Sky. That is janinejuliet.bisky.social. And you can find me just on Blue Sky, or I guess really if you wanted to find me on Reddit. You can follow me there. Uh, I'm Coltrag pretty much everywhere, including Discord. Uh, we also have a Discord for the show, or you can visit my uh, Gumroad or itch.io. You know, I, I do a bunch of stuff. Uh, also, uh, shortly after this episode comes up, I should also be posting the Exile 2023 annual where they just go into a universe and beat up a bunch of Nazis. Or mess around with Nazis. Uh, I, I made a choice that resulted in far less Nazi deaths than I think there would have been otherwise. Uh, Mike, You'll the artist. Next for... time, champ. Yeah. Uh, Mike, the artist for the show, can be found most places at Patent Pending. That's P A T T E N P E N D I N G. Uh, Mike has very affordable commissions. You should. Hire Mike to draw things for you, especially if you like the covers of the show. Right now, you can find this show on its website, domancedawn.com. Uh, we also have a Blue Sky account for it. We have a Discord for the show, which if you want an invite to that, uh, let me know. Uh, there's also a Facebook page that I'm trying to get used to uh, promoting. And we also have the Tumblr, which used to be our website until I kind of just stopped getting as many uh, active things on it as I liked. So, thank you for listening to this. And uh, next week on Domance Dawn, we meet the greatest member of the Straw Hats. Smooth sailing.